we good afternoon grace gospel church i'm here pastor troy sergey for part six of our seven church series here i'm joined by not special guest anymore i guess regular <laughs> attender uh jeff price here so jeff how are we doing this afternoon I am doing wonderful, especially when we get to talk about the Word of God, and I'm so looking forward to uh, talking about this church from Philadelphia. Yes, the Church of Philadelphia will be great here, and I'm going to actually start off by reading that passage, and feel free for those who are listening to follow along. That's going to be Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. So Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13 the apostle john writes these words about the city of philadelphia the church of philadelphia to the angel of the church in philadelphia right these are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of david what he opens no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open i know your deeds see I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, Jeff, there's a lot of rich stuff here. And I think before we really get into the deeper stuff, what is the background of, uh, I guess, the city and and this name, Philadelphia? Well, the Philadelphia uh, is the city of brotherly love. That's pretty well known since uh, we have our own Philadelphia here. Yes, we do in, in Pennsylvania. In <laughs> Pennsylvania. And so a lot of people do know and understand that Philos uh, is, is love. And it's there are different words to describe love in the Greek. And uh, Philos is the brotherly or, or, or love that would be among family members. And so you think of uh, the church as a family. And I think that that's uh, one of the places here's just one of the many places we get that doctrine. Um, but John is in his epistles, uh, in his writings, talks a lot about love and especially uh, brotherly love. And maybe we can get into that a little bit later. Philadelphia itself was a uh, church uh, in the uh, in present day Turkey, very close to um, it was, it was relatively close to uh, uh, both Sardis in between Sardis and, and um, Laodicea, very close to Colossae. Uh, it was a rather large, um, it was bigger than a village like you would see in Thyatira. 
um, probably around 40,000 inhabitants when, when we were talking here. They had a, they had a theater that would seat about 15,000 people. Uh, and so it's pretty cosmopolitan for um, it's sort of a middle-sized uh, town, not nearly as large as Smyrna or Ephesus, but, but um, you know, a, a pretty good-sized uh, city in its own right. Uh, they worshipped their uh, their main god was uh, Dionysius was which was the god of revelry, and so you can think about the immorality that uh, that went went on the debauchery that went on in some of the temples. Temple of Hercules for those who Hercules is uh, there's a Disney movie about that the guy the strong guy, um, and there's a temple to Hercules there as well. Uh, just another note, a side note. Uh, uh, Philadelphia was the last of the churches to fall, um, the last of the Christian bastion and churches to fall uh, when the Ottoman Turks, uh, the um, when the Muslims came in and invaded this area and took that took it and over and created the Ottoman Empire. So God was faithful to this church. He, these people were faithful to God, and He was faithful to them for many generations. Yeah, and I definitely see the faithfulness here, especially in verse eight, when he says, I know your deeds. He knows <clears throat> and what they do. And we know that, that they do is good. They, they stand for truth. They stand for the word of God. And then he says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So I think he's rewarding this church. He's saying the door that I have opened for you to come for, no no trial, no temptation, especially no persecution. Death itself cannot make me shut this door. And I think there's a beautiful sense of, I, again, like you said, faithfulness in this passage. Uh, yes. You see that there, Jeff? Yes. Yep. Um, we can talk about that open and, and shut door. Um, <laughs> the, um, of course, uh, we, we'll maybe get into that uh, here. Right. You know, I could, I, if I could, Pastor, maybe just go back and talk just a little bit more about that, that concept of love, yeah, um, sure. because um, as you know, we've talked about this, that John wrote, many people believe that he wrote his, uh, his gospel about the same time, maybe even after his, this revelation, the apocalypse, that maybe it wasn't written after uh, uh, about the same time, a, a lot of uh, a lot of people believe that, but and and also in his epistles, uh, they could also be about the same time period. And you know, John is commanded by God, and uh, John fifteen uh, nine to seventeen. This was at the Last Supper. Uh, three times in that passage, uh, Jesus says, "If you love me." Uh, keep my commands, and this is the greatest command, or this is the command that you love uh, one another. Verse 12 there, my command is this, to love each other as I have loved you, and then in verse 17, this is my command, love each other, and if you read through the, uh, the epistles of John, oh, there's so many, so many uh, places where John talks about loving each other, so when we talk about you know, the church, the body of Christ, where does that fit into? How important is loving one another? Um, and I would, I would suggest this, that this is probably, 
right up there. I mean, with all of the doctrines that we have, I think our love for one another, God's love pouring out through his people for fellow believers is probably the greatest uh, of all the commands and uh, of all the biblical doctrines that we would have. Without that, that is the basis of every everything else that we have in our churches. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a Christian song in the modern day, a couple of years ago came out, and you know, I think it says, you know, if I have not loved, I have not gained. Um, I think it says something like, if I am martyred, I am, and I don't have love. You know, what am I martyring for? Something along those lines. I'm trying to think of the exact. But again, you know, that that's the point of if I don't have love, what do I have? What do I have to give to the world? What do I have to give to a lost world? And I think that should really spark a lot of us because I think there's many different personalities in the body of Christ. That's if it's a good thing that makes us diverse. It makes us edified. But I think one thing we can't be, uh, I guess, lacking in our diversity is love. And we all need to have that and carry that uh, with the utmost love, really, with the utmost love for humanity and for each other as well. Uh, Because we know that Christ showed us and we know that God showed us that by demonstrating uh, that by sending his own son to die for us. So there's, there's beauty in love because God is love. It's a part of his holy attribute, but also Christ shows that and demonstrates us here too. So I, I really appreciate that because um, love, brotherly love, there's nothing in the Christian faith that compares to that. Right. Yeah. And I think we, so, so, you know, we, we miss that in our, yeah. you know, we get caught up with, uh, Oh, you know, what the pastor preached or, you know, what they said in, uh, you know, about me and, you know, in the back of the church or something, you know, we get caught up in some of those just petty things, not, and I'll tell you, Grace Gospel is a great place to be. Uh, if you, if you're listening and you want to visit a church, we, we don't have a lot of that. We have a lot of love. And I think mm-hmm. um, uh, Christ's love is demonstrated in our church in yes. so many it different is. ways. Um, you know, but we are human, we are people, and and um, sometimes we err there. But I like the uh, revelation that, that uh, John gives of Christ uh, here, Pastor. He, he says, uh, I am the holy and true God, you know, uh, very much, um, you know, the Greek gods were all about um, experiential uh, you know, it was all about experience, experiencing that you could go to the Temple of Dionysus and experience the revelry there, the sexual immorality, but it was all experience based, whereas Jesus is holy, he's, he's true, he, his word is true, so what is truth, John 1, 1, John again, okay, John's the author here, that Jesus was indeed the word. And so the word uh, is true. It's not based upon experience. It's based upon what the, the biblical doctrine and what is written uh, in the word. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that we, ch- uh, I think we're challenged today in the Western world, in our Western churches, is uh, experience or truth, or is experience truth or experience yes. or word of God. Um, and I think, man, I wouldn't re- want to rely on my own 
uh, life circumstances or experience to figure out who God is. I want, I want the true word of God that's been passed down throughout generation that transforms men and women's lives uh, in every culture the past 2,000 years. I want that to be my truth. I don't want my 21st century American mindset or life experience dictate. I want the word of God to yeah. transform me and change me. Well, and, I think uh, it's... We see this church standing for that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, I think that this... Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there, but uh, we see this church, I think, contrasting to the next church in, in, mm -hmm. in Laodicea, but uh, yeah. which is all about experience and all about. And, you know, I think our Western churches, too, they, you know, people go to church to see what they can get out of it. That is to be uplifted. What did I what can I get out of it rather than what I put into it? Um, then that in in Again, I'm not talking about our church here, but I'm the the general. I mean, you can see some of the mega churches. It's all about the experience uh, from selling concession stand uh, items in the back of the church to um, you know the music and all of that, and it's all about the experience rather than uh, some. And sometimes some of that is good. I, I'm not saying that it's all bad, but you can't sacrifice that for the word. Right, right. And I think that's really important stuff too to, to remember is that the word of God is our, our authority. And we know that there's no condemnation for us in Christ, but we know that we get that truth from the word of God. We know that we find um, our, our moral compass for the, through the word, right? We, we can see God through uh, so for uh, natural revelation, where we, we can see the Lord's creation of a beautiful sunset or a beautiful um, night sky or a beautiful lake, or we can see the hand of God work through those types of things. But where we get to know God through the person of Jesus Christ, through the Old Testament, through all these things is through the word of God. So the word cannot depart from us. And we see uh, the church of Philadelphia standing for that. And I want to, I want to touch one of Jesus's quotes. I think in Matthew seven, he says, knock and it will be given, or oh, I will open that. I will open it and you, it'll be given to you. And I think that kind of goes off of this parallel of knowing your deeds, this idea of a door being open, no one can shut it. So, you know, I think when we look at our, our non-believing world, you know, the Lord's always knocking, knocking at our door, trying to get in. But with this, with this, church we know that the door is already open because they are trusting they're living this out and um, i love the parallels with the scriptures between that that idea of doors is there anything about the doors that you want to touch on well Jeff? the 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 door and, and the keys i think you know the keys where, where do we mm -hmm. get that keys of david and you have to go back into isaiah chapter 20 uh, chapter 22 verses 20 to 22 and in that day i will summon my servant eliakim some of son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah, and I will place on his shoulders the key to the house of David. He will, uh, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Geez, does that sound familiar? Um, so who is Eliakim and, and where does he get the keys from? Actually, you got to go back to Shebna, who was the chief, uh, he was the chief magistrate or 
um, administrative leader under Hezekiah. And we remember that Hezekiah fell ill. He even thought he was going to die, right? And he prayed to God and he got an extra 20 years, I believe, on his life. If that, I didn't go back and read that passage, but he got extra time on his life. And But in the time that he was in bedridden, um, Shebna, his chief magistrate, went out and he took control and he built himself a magnificent um, uh, sort of a mausoleum, a gravesite. And he was preparing himself for sort of like this Egyptian, think of Egyptian burials, where they would, of course, that they would bury the the uh, pharaohs in the tombs and and they buried them with servants and with food and everything else because they were going to live forever right and that was their immortality and that's what Shebna had a vision of and um and long story short Elijah that 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 position was stripped of him and it was given to Eliakim and that's where he gets the key to the house of David and the key of house of David ultimately, Pastor, uh, is handed down uh, generation to generation to generation. And this is a metaphor. We're not talking about actual keys, but the metaphor of Jesus Christ being the rightful king and the rightful holder of those keys of the house of David. And so Jesus, our high priest, holds the keys to the house of David and what he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. Of course, in this period of time, we're talking about the open door. And so let's talk prophetically here for a minute. Um, this is the time period in the church uh, after the Reformation, it was the age of discovery. And so it was the, the discovery of America and the opening up of trade routes to Africa and Asia. And what followed the trade? It was missionaries. And who became, what country became the greatest nation on the face of the earth? Well, first it was Great Britain. Britain was the, what was the greatest nation. Actually, actually, originally it was Spain. And Spain was uh, sending out uh, Christian missionaries. And uh, then, of course, the Spanish Armada was defeated by the British in 1588. Sir Francis Drake, uh, the famous uh, pirate, uh, led the English in that battle, and they that naval battle. And they, long story short, they, they took control. It was, it, it, Britain, this small island country, Pastor, this small island country, uh, became the greatest nation on the face of the earth. How did they do that? It was because they were sending out missionaries. God's grace was upon this nation. They were on fire for the Lord. They sent some of the greatest missionaries out to places like China, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, uh, America, um, Africa. You, you, you could you could go through, and and that would be a huge study on on its own. And they became so powerful that at one point said that the sun never set on the British Empire because they had so many colonies, India, China, um, uh, places in America. The sun absolutely never set on the British Empire because they were a worldwide dominant empire. Um, and they sent out more missionaries during that time period than any other uh, country, all other countries combined. And they and they converted a lot of people to Christianity. Well, um, America took that up in the middle of the 1800s. So after our Civil War, we were the country that 
that uh, rose to power and, and superseded after World War I uh, Britain. And it was uh, beyond little doubt that America was the greatest country. And why were we the greatest country? Because we were sending more missionaries than anybody else. In fact, we were sending more missionaries than everyone else combined and, and helping countries around the world to, to know the power of Jesus Christ. And um, uh, Grace Gospel, Grace uh, Ministries International is a part of that, uh, establishing uh, hundreds of churches in Africa, right? Um, And uh, other places that we've established churches in Central and South America. And and, um, and of course, those have been followed by the Baptists and the Presbyterians and and a lot of other uh, denominations that have done the same. So this was the time period of the open door. Uh, Christianity was openly portrayed, and there was really no, there was, there's not a lot of formal um, pushback from, especially the Western culture. It was just accepted. Christianity was the way of life. It was the open door. Everyone was open and, and accepting of, of the gospel of the grace of God. And, um, you know, if you look at uh, mid 20th century America, um, and you polled that, and they, and you, and you polled the country and you said, is, is there God? And, and is he uh, Jesus Christ? And you would probably get 80 to 90% of the people who would identify probably even higher than that, um, who would identify uh, Jesus being the God. And, and it was reflected in, in the blessing that, that uh, was given. This, the, the word was just, it was an open door. Everybody was open uh, to this word in this time period. And I think that we're talking about this time period. Obviously, this church is going to go into, and this church is going to be around at the, at the uh, rapture. Uh, we'll see that later on here, but, um, well, we'll talk about Laodicea, but you're talking into the 1980s, I think, is when we start to become um, religiously diverse. It might be a nice uh, way to do it, say it. That's a, that's a nice way of putting it. And I, I think the big thing is loving one another is sharing with one another. And that sharing is going forth in the ends of the world i think of course we know it's not necessarily our grace commission but i think of the great commission right in matthew 28 the big part is go go is the most important part we can take from that passage of jesus talking there in matthew 28 about going forth and i think we can't forget that go we can't we can't let denominational you know slight differences uh you know get away from from that go because I, that's the most important thing that God wants us to do with that message and how we can show love with one another uh, is through sharing this message of the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing uh, about the bridge that we're able to cross between life to death through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's interesting, Jeff, about this church is it's the only one with no bad things mentioned or nothing bad about them. And I think that this is a testimony of their faithfulness to the word the testimony of their faithfulness ultimately to their love for one another because they have shared that with others and stood forth and uh, not letting the culture and not letting the experience shape uh, who they are and what 
they believe. Uh, yeah. Would you agree with that? A lot of commendations, uh, no condemnation. So mm -hmm. you yeah. look at the commendations of this church, the good things, uh, your deeds, Jesus says, uh, Christ says, I know your deeds and, and, they're, and they're good. I know what you've done, the works that you have done. Um, and there's no rebuke or admonishment there. And then, and then he talks about the reliance upon the strength of God. They were weak. This, you know, isn't an ironic pastor, the people who think that they're not doing so good are probably the ones who are humble and, and, and open to the leading of Jesus Christ. You know, some of the people who think they're really good Christians and, and, and they're doing it on their own strength. Yeah, I find that, uh, I, think, I find that very often to be they're the least effective and the most effective are the humble, the, the ones who don't think they're doing so good. And then he says, you have not denied my name. You know, well, what is the name that they have not denied? It's the name of, of Jesus Christ. And that's the separator today in today's culture. You, know, you yeah. can talk about God in generalities, but you can't talk about the name of Jesus Christ in it without uh drawing some ire and and people gritting their teeth um a little bit and you know do you know his son his you know god and do you know his son his name is yeshua i you know i love that name yeshua i, I found myself um saying that using that even in my prayer uh the name of yeshua rather yeah. than the English version of Jesus. It's just, a, it's yeah. a beautiful yeah. name. Yeah, there's definitely power to the Hebrew name. I, I agree with that. And if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, um, of course, that whole movie is in Aramaic, but they have the, the Hebrew name and they, they call him Yeshua every time. And uh, there's power to that. There really is power yeah. to that. And uh, there's not only power, but beauty to that as well. And, you know, when I think of this church again, I, I am I'm encouraged by it because I know that, again, like you said, this church will kind of, you know, be around in the rapture. There'll be elements of it, but mostly um, it, it's dissolved. And I think trying to be, a, a, I guess, a part of this, you know, we talked a little bit uh, just last night and, and the days before, Jeff, about you know, if if somehow we had to face persecution in this country, physical persecution because of our faith, would there be enough evidence to convict us or would we be able to stand for that? Would we be willing to go forth with right. persecution yeah. in our in our American culture? And I, I would like to say yes. I would love to say yes on this podcast. But I guess the truth is I, I won't be fully able to answer that question until it's right there knocking on my door. But this church gives me a uh, hope uh, and encouragement to make sure that I stand if, if that day ever comes in our country where, where, where I would have to meet underground in my ministry. Would I have to be a pastor underground? Would I have to, uh, you know, publicly, yeah, stand for Jesus Christ and not know my punishment at the end? You know, I, yeah. I don't know what the next couple of years hold with, with, with our country and the direction right. of the world. But if that was ever a situation... Um, this church gives me hope that I would. So. You, you know, uh, a couple of things in that. I agree totally. We talked a little bit about that last night at Bible study. Um, yeah. And the persecution, it, it says, and, and this is 
says very clearly here in the scripture that you will be kept from the hour yeah. of testing, the tribulation, the, the tribulation. great tribulation. And so we know that this church is going to be around, or at least remnants of this church are going to be around at the time of the rapture um, for that. But here's something that I don't think we fully understood until the last maybe year or two, and that is hold on. Well, what do you mean hold on? It's, I mean, right? We don't face tribulation. Well, first of all, maybe, maybe the Western church isn't the Philadelphia church that we think of. And, the, and you mentioned uh, to me earlier in, in off the air when we, before the podcast, uh, you mentioned how uh, there are more Christians martyred in uh, each year and it just continues to grow. Um, than at any other time in the history of the world, right? Isn't that what you said? That is what I said, yeah. Yeah. And so um, this church is going to be persecuted. Yeah. And, and what we're seeing this, okay, so we when we talk about the convergence of all of the things heading towards the rapture, that's one of the things. This church is going to have to hold on. And, and Jesus says, hold on, because I'm coming soon. I, I'm coming soon. And I think he's specifically talking about the rapture because he talks about, I will remove you from the wrath to come. And that Greek word there means to keep you from, okay? It, it means that it's a, uh, it, it's a specific hour, a time, a, a, a time period. And then we know that time period to be the great tribulation. So I'm going to keep you, or I'm going to take you out of that great tribulation that is to come. And, but but he did say, hold on. And so I think that these people's, I know what, I, well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say emphatically because uh, it's future, but I guess my interpretation that hold on, I'm coming soon. This church is going to be tested before they get to, before they get there. And, and how quickly our society has changed, even over the last maybe three to five years, probably in the last two to three years, about Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of hate and envy when when that word is said in our culture. Like you said, there's anyone can talk about God, but there's power in the name of Yeshua, the Lord Jesus. Yeah, and not uh, to mention I, I think, what's going yeah. on in the other countries, right? Because there are many martyrs who talk about in the Middle East and in like it, even in Afghanistan, where we're beginning to hear some of those stories. Um, some of the, the Christians who live in the, uh, the former Soviet republics in some of those areas, as well as, of course, in the Korean Peninsula. Yeah, and a lot of those churches, Jeff, to the underground ones, the ones who are facing the most public persecution, are the ones thriving the most right. in a positive way. Yeah. The ones who are meeting underground right now. So I, I, that should give us a lot of encouragement, too, of knowing, hey, the strongest churches in the world at this moment are the ones with the, with the biggest persecution. And uh, yeah. I don't know about you, Jeff, but that, that brings me to almost tears of knowing, knowing that, there's, that there's truth of holding on um, in our world today, but also holding on it, it will strengthen us. Uh, holding on during difficult moments will strengthen our faith and draw us closer to the throne of God. And uh, that's power. That's powerful right there. 
Well, if you go on and you read uh, uh, Jesus is talking here through uh, John, I will make a pillar or you a foundation of the temple of God. Never again will they leave it. Okay, so this is talking exactly what you just talked about, Pastor, in the fact that these these are churchless people. They they don't have a church home. They're underground. They can't meet. Uh, there are many churches in in the world today who who cannot meet for fear of being persecuted, thrown in jail, or even or even killed. But their church continues underground, and so just the fact that they've had to leave their church and and would this be would this be prophetic and what could even happen here in the united states yeah i in see the Western that church I, if, I definitely see that if if jesus tarries i don't know is it two years is it five years is it 10 years if he tarries and he does not come back I can very well see the, the direction of the churches that we could be facing that and we could be going, wow, this is really this is really hitting home for us. I think that that's more than anything else is a reason that uh, Christians today need to strengthen their relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not prepared mentally and spiritually for what is ahead for the church, you may not be able to stand against it. Uh, what Satan has for us. I, and I don't say that lightly. I don't want that to come. I don't want that to come. Yeah. But I, I got to say that I can't say that it won't come. And, and maybe there will be a great revival in our, in our country. I pray for that. But as you said, the church is really thriving where there's persecution. And so maybe that's a, a way to to make the church thrive here because it doesn't yeah, seem right. like you are. hate to make that use that language, but maybe that's what we need. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I, um, you know, you I love think that. of, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'll just say the last, the last thing here um, that I'm thinking of is you will have a new name. Yeah. The identification as the bride living in the new house, which we know is the new Jerusalem, in the millennial kingdom here. So the new name, uh, is that just simply the bride? Is that what that is referring to, Jeff? Or is there something? something I there think I'm this missing? is a contrast to the satanic uh, signature that uh, that Satan puts on the followers. The Antichrist puts on the followers. Remember right. in the forehead, the mark of the beast. The hand, they will have a mark, uh, the number of his name, six six six, and mm -hmm. and I think this is really in contrast to that. That's the way I see it. Um, I want it to be Alaf Tav. That's what I want it to be. I want it to be the Alaf Tav. I am, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Alaf Tav. Um, but I don't know. Whatever that name is that he's going to write on us, Pastor, it's going to be a great name and we will wear it very proudly. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, it, it just above that, Jesus says, uh, you know, of Satan's followers, I will make them bow at your feet and admit that I love you. Boy, that, you know, um, these people are being persecuted and it seems like they have no hope. But one day 
those same people are persecuting them will bow at their feet. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's probably going to be in the kingdom millennial period. I don't know if it's going to be at the white throne judgment. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know it's in God's word and I know it's going to happen. And not just bow, Jeff, but confess with their tongue, right? That yes. Jesus confess is that, that Jesus loved these people. And, um, you know, I think that, again, I think Jesus, we talked about, again, last night at Bible study, but Jesus has a, a special place in his heart for those who are persecuted. Those who yes. are persecuted for his name. Um, and we need to consider Philadelphia. We need to, to read about it. We need to emulate it in our yeah. hearts and in our lives today here, even in the Western, the Western church. So, Jeff, thank you so much for for providing great, great insight here. I know that it would, it, I, I really enjoy looking at the scriptures and we got one more left, Laodicea yeah. for next week. So yeah, uh, well, that'll be an interesting one. And I think just like this one, that'll be a lot here to, to discuss. There'll be a lot to discuss. I don't know if I look forward to that one as much as I look forward to this one. Yeah. Uh, I always yeah. look forward to getting into God's word, but uh, we'll, we'll talk again next week. Yes, absolutely. I will close us in prayer then. That would be wonderful. Father, we are so thankful for knowing your son, the Lord Jesus, who gives us life, who gives us the strength and the courage to stand forth uh, in a dark world for your son, the Lord Jesus. We know that we are called to love one another with brotherly love, just as the Church of Philadelphia has taught us and has emulated. And Father, again, we know that true love is shame one another about the Lord Jesus Christ. So give us boldness, give us encouragement of, of teaching and, and showing others what love is all about, which is that we have been transferred out of the darkness and into the light with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our new identity as in Christ. And we pray for those in our church family, Father, and we, we pray for those uh, who may be in our world and in our, in our communities don't know you, Father, they are to know the saving knowledge the bride of christ the people that draw and have the boldness and lovingness uh, of your people to draw them into this body and again we're so thankful for your son and we're so thankful for what you have displayed to us on the cross praise on your son's holy name amen amen god bless yes, see you next god bless week you. yes